So final day of UK Games Expo. The doors are not even open. That's my volunteer privilege this year. And I'm with Leisure Games. Uh, who are you? Hi there. Uh, yeah, my name's Mike. Um, I'm the owner of Leisure Games. We're here bright and early, getting ready for uh, what is hopefully another busy day at the Expo. So far, what did you think of the 2022 edition? It's been really good. We didn't know what to expect, particularly as far as uh, number of attendees. And I think it's be, it certainly seems to have been really, really busy. We've had lots of sales and yeah, I think it's really good. Loads going on, lots to do, everyone's happy. So tell me about Leisure Games. We're a specialist games retailer. We sell all sorts of games. We've been around for 37 years now, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, 37 years. We specialize in really in board games and particularly in role-playing games. We're quite well known for getting some really hard to find role-playing titles. You've got here, it's the first time I've seen, uh, I was about to say in person, but in physical form, Haunted yeah. <laughs> yeah. West by Chris Spivey. That's one I, I didn't have a chance to see yet. Do you ship worldwide or do you focus on the European market? How um, does that work? We're have, we're, we've been having a lot of problems with shipping yeah. recently. Um, at the moment, we're limiting it to Europe only. Very sadly, we've got a lot of... Um, worldwide customers who we've had for years and years and it's really really hard but we have to say we can't ship to you at the moment because we've had so many cases of really long delays and things getting lost and returned to us undelivered and it's just cost us a fortune really. I'm not distributing my own game and I found out about sending things abroad but for me it turned out to be more difficult to send to Europe for border customs reasons than to send to US and Canada but then it's it's very small scale of course what I said. Yeah we've not had too much problem I mean it's got more expensive and obviously with the tax implications now we've had to make it clear to customers that you're going to have to pay tax if your country requires it. It has reduced the number of sales we things we send to Europe, but um, we can at least still offer the service. Is there a, one of the games which is your darling that you, you'd like to see even more copies fly off the shelves? <laughs> I think our best-selling product probably ever is uh, Blades in the Dark, which has sold so well that we haven't been able to bring any copies with us. Oh, wow, really? Um, that's right. We had on Thursday when we were finally packing everything up we had i think four copies left in the shop so we had to leave them there because people would be ordering them online and we don't want to be selling them here unable to fulfill the online orders wow and uh, what was the most successful here can you tell most successful here i can't remember off the top of my head (laughs) i think i mean ryotama is selling really well we brought loads of copies of that but i think you know other best sellers have all have all gone now Sold out. <laughs> and the doors are opening, so I'm going to let you right. take care of your customer. Do you have a, a final word about UK Games Expo and uh, maybe to, to the people who did not attend this year but who should attend next oh, year? Oh, th- everybody should come to UK Games Expo at least once. If you come once, you'll be coming back the next year. It's a fantastic event, loads of fun, so much to do, lovely people here. And where can people find you? Our physical bricks and mortar store is in Finchley in North London. And we've got our web store at leisuregames.com. Great, brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you.
shot till you drop. I shot till you drop. I shot till you drop. This American way. Well, I love my credit cards like a ball and chain. And cell phone radiation rots away my brain. I got a microwave computer and a brand new car. Well, the clothes I wear, they make me feel like a superstar. Superstar. You gotta shop till you drop We'll put you right in the driver's seat You gotta shop till you drop These low, low prices They just won't be beat A shop till you drop A shop till you drop A shop till you drop This American way A visit to a gaming convention in the UK would not be complete without a stop at the Roleplay Heaven booth. Hi, I'm Virginia. I am a branch manager at the RP Haven. I also do our design and social media stuff. Virginia, that rings a bell. I think a long, you know, I, long time ago. I, think I, I might got have someone. been on the podcast before, you know? Yeah, also, <laughs> I think a very long time ago, I think you were. Was like the first ever, you know, of course, you're a successful streamer, <laughs> but. My I, first ever Dragon Meet with the Roleplay Haven. Yeah. yeah. The wonderful James, when you've got to do a podcast. Here's Callum. <laughs> I'll include a link to the episode in the description, but what's going on with Roleplay Event since uh, last time? Oh, so many exciting things. Uh, so I guess the big one is we have our Edinburgh branch opening up this year. Whee, so that's Cardiff, Edinburgh. And London. Yes, we've hit them all now, but it's nice. It's our first Scotland branch and it should be really exciting. We know that there's a lot of folks up there who are interested. So we're hoping to bring them into the fold. <laughs> Any project we can know of, of branches which are on the way and are still seeking support maybe to really happen? Uh, I mean, on the way, you'd have to ask Gary for that one because that all falls under the roll together. And that's kind of uh, Gary and Dave's kind of big thing of bringing new folks into the fold. But at UKG, we've had loads of people tell us that they want clubs open in their area. I think after the last couple of years, people are keen to get into in-person gaming again and be back around an actual table. And you got a whole initiative to support that role together. Or does that work exactly if someone listening to that is somewhere in the UK and wants to create their own branch, or their own tabletop role-playing game? Yeah, so uh, if you're interested, you can head over to our website and register your interest on there that you'd maybe like to open a branch in your area. And your website is? rphaven.co.uk. But yeah, so you can go and register your interest. And what we do is we look at when we, you know, get signups here at conventions and people that check out our website, they can tell us where they'd like to see a branch. And if you reach out and say, hey, look, I really want to open a branch in my area, we can have a look and see where you are. 
And if it turns out there's a whole bunch of people there that are interested, or maybe even you say, I've got a whole bunch of people interested, we can start talking to you about our All Together scheme. And the great thing about that is we help you do that. So you get all of our structure that we use, all of the support from you know our regional managers and our directors, and all the stuff we have in place, like our membership card scheme and all of the stuff that make the Roleplay Haven what it is. And we will help you source the venues, we'll help you fund the venues, we will show you how to set up a club, because we've done this a fair few times now. So we can lend you all that expertise, and then you set up as a Roleplay Haven club, and hopefully uh, you thrive just like the rest of our branches have so far. And you are a charity franchise, you're, you're not the equivalent of Starbucks franchise. No, no, so I, uh, yeah, it's, it's called the Roll, uh, Roll Together Charity Franchise, but it's, it's not a franchise like Starbucks, so you have to give them a load of money. <laughs> no, that, that's never a thing. In fact, it's mostly us giving you money and resources to do stuff, because the Roleplay Haven overall, we're a CIC, so we are a community uh, interest charity, sorry, community interest company. We're a non-profit, so any money that we make is either going to charity or it's going into setting up clubs who are going to be rolling dice to give money to charity. So, I believe now you run the Stratford branch. So I do, yeah. So I, I started out as just a player way back several years ago, and I've been on the committee as a member rep representing the members at Stratford branch for five, six years. And uh, this year I got voted in as our branch manager. So I, I now run the Stratford branch over in London, which is, you know, what got me into role-playing in the first place. And I'm also now a volunteer leader here, so I, I help run other bits kind of behind the scenes, like our social media, doing all of our graphics and branding and things like that. How did things went during COVID and what's the current situation at Stratford, for instance? Things are going good. You know, it's always difficult when you've been closed for a while, like we were over COVID, to kind of bring stuff back because the kind of running joke of, you know, us geeky and nerdy folk we like having the schedule we like it when our game night is on this night and lots of folks you know were gaming at home and quite a few of our members formed groups together you know in home games and stuff so it's been a little bit of a struggle when we opened up in q4 last year but honestly it's come back with a massive boom we had a quarter where you know it was kind of hard getting people gming and i, th I think it's because they'd spent so much time gming over covid But at Stratford, we've seen loads of our folks come back. In the last couple of quarters, we've had so many new members, folks that have never played with us before, showing up. Oh, that's great. Yeah, mid-quarter, we had to be like, anyone else want a GM? We've got so many people coming through the door now. I think a lot of people, you know, coming out of the lockdowns were like, oh, what's on my bucket list? Yeah. <laughs> I personally joined a choir. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm singing musicals on Monday evening, <laughs> uh, evenings now. Moving a bit slightly away from Roleplay Heaven, uh, the release, of course, is all about cross-channel, cross-pond. <laughs> and I believe you've been recording some panels uh, on the other side of the pond? I've been doing a lot of bits in between. There's been a lot of online conventions where I've had been lucky enough to be asked to be on panels and kind of getting back into some stream stuff. Our Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire campaign with Black Cats Gaming is just about to come to its end. It, the finale would have been this week, but I'm here at Expo, so it's happening. No spoiler. No, no spoilers, but uh, you should check that out on the YouTube. It is really good. And mostly I've just been, you know, doing a lot of graphics work for companies, a lot of writing, bouncing between lots and of things. And people should get and, in touch uh, with you. Yeah, you can You can find me over on Twitter at Tabletop Horde, and you can, all my links are on their portfolio. You can DM me if you, if you need anything. I do too many things in tabletop games now, and I've got a stack of business cards nearly as big as my own where I've been talking to people at Expo so one final word about Expo Expo is great if you come over to see us at RP Haven or just come over to see me thank you for coming over and uh, when it comes to the Roleplay Haven hey if we don't have a branch yet it could be you setting up the next one and it's easier than it looks so uh If you want to have a place to game and you want to be able to raise money for charity doing nothing but what you're already doing, rolling your dice and sending your adventures into peril, come see the Roleplay Haven. Brilliant, thank you. Oh, thank you.
So during the lockdowns, I recorded a lot of online interviews. I stopped doing those because now I'm too busy with work and life now. But now at Expo, I can run into people in person. Who are you and what are you up to? So I'm John Hodgson and I own and run Handiwork Games. And uh, yeah, we've had an absolutely brilliant weekend at Expo so far. We've sold out loads of things. Our game Beowulf Age of Heroes has sold out. We've sold out of the Hermit Sanctuary print book as well, which is the introductory adventure for that. And we sold loads of our, our new release at the show is The Silver Road, which is a, a minimalist storytelling game that we've just released as a bit of an experiment. And we oh, sold loads of those. Brand new game then. Brand new game so for what, Expo, yeah. What, what's this one like? So it's really me. Who, who did the art? Who did the art? <laughs> that was Mike Franchina did the That's art for that. That's not you. It's not me. No, uh, a very old friend of mine, Mike, he now works at Blizzard and he's been using AI art generator called Mid Journey. Really? Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, he made fantastic spooky artwork that fitted the game absolutely perfectly so we we collaborated on that that's fascinating because i see on twitter smart little fellows who think that with ai they won't have to pay an artist oh, but that, that's exciting yeah. to hear about an artist using that technology to do something which actually looks like something yeah, really interesting I, rather than a random i think it's i know a lot of people are sort of worried about it that us artists are going to be out of work and so on and i'm sure it's going to change things a little bit but the ability to sort of curate the images yeah. and find good prompts and then and, and do post work on on the images is is you can't really replace that yet at least we shall see but i mean i just thought the stuff mike's been doing is absolutely perfect for the game so yeah Beowulf Age of Heroes has been flying off the shelf and it's yep. been out since we last talked. That's right. But if you were in the Kickstarter, so what was the feedback about the game? Uh, did you hear yeah, interesting stories? It's gone really well and it's really it's always really magical to me when you hear people appear about people playing your games. I don't know, it's almost like you, you don't really expect it to happen somehow, which yeah, is I know, a bit bizarre right? because I mean it's like, you know, however many backers we had, a thousand backers, whatever you somebody must be playing it, but a lot of people are playing it. And really getting the benefit of the delight people find is because it's one GM and one player. They can just phone a friend and get a game going, you know, which is really working out well for people. That's a format which is increasingly popular. Yeah. But I, I'm totally with you with the game. My, my game got played by Japanese streamers somewhat recently, and I was wow. uh, over the moon about that. So cool. We've got um, A-State, another game we, we recently kick-started. There's a, a new stream game about to start actual play of that that looks absolutely fantastic. There's a stellar cast. You'll, you'll need to go to our Twitter feed to find out more about so that. What estate? Is it literally stellar? It seems kind of unish special. I see it's, a, it's a charming a, bold man uh, <laughs> staring at me. It's quite hard to pin down exactly what it is in sort of genre terms. It is 
dystopian, futuristic, with a massive dose of sort of Dickensian class politics in there. You play troublemakers trying to improve their corner of this huge, sprawling, endless city called The City. And your characters are trying to improve things where you live. So it's it's Great Britain in 2045, if we continue with the current government. 2023, I think. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it it is very much... We've brought it back. It was a big sort of cult hit in the early 2000s. And it is very much inspired by those kind of politics, to be honest. You know, So it's a revival, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. But what we've done for this edition is we've used the Forged in the Dark rule set, which actually really focuses play and, and it makes for a really brilliant match. So yeah, we're, we're really happy with it. That's printing now. The core book for that is at the printers right now. All right. So, so yeah, this is what we're looking at here on our booth is a primer, setting primer and an introductory adventure. And I see you expanding into card games as well. Yeah, well, we actually, this is where we began on the whole thing. The Forest Dragon by Rory, age nine, was the game made by my son, the titular Rory, when he was nine. Um, yeah, and we still say that, still sell that. It's an absolute favorite of our fans, I think. And the follow-up, Bang and Twang, we've got that as well here today. So, yeah, no, it's really going really well. Brilliant. Well, what's your final word and sort of appraisal of this 2022 comeback of Expo? It's absolutely brilliant to be out meeting people like yourself. You know, lovely to see people in the flesh. And it's been really, really nice to get some in-person feedback from people. And, yeah, lovely to be out and about again. And it's been a great show. So, yeah. Great. And where people, can people find you and your work? Yeah. yeah so, head to www.handiwork.games. And that's us. Great, I'll include a link in the description. Fantastic. Thank you. Unpack the flowers, darling. Roll out the lawn while I start the rain. Very nearly miss the stars. So we
just half a meter away, literally on the same booth. Now I've got uh, a lot of familiar things around me in terms of IPs. Where am I and who are you? Uh, when Nightfall Games, we have Slay Industries, which is an old game we released in 1993 that we've been doing ever since then. It's the same team. We recently re-released our second edition of Slay Industries in a Kickstarter that was very successful. And after that, we then started doing the Terminator role-playing game, which is a very familiar license to all of your listeners. And it's I believe it's almost here. It almost was. It's at, at the printers. Yeah. It's literally at the printers now. We released the PDFs on the 1st of June. So it's supposed to be trying to get it here. But the problem with lead times and cardboard shortages and paper shortages over throughout the world has meant that we just could not make it out for this expo. It'll be at Tabletop Scotland. All right. Um, and Dragon Meat uh, at uh, the end of more, the year? Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't sold everything? We're printing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it, for me, I've been, I've been doing book production now for 30-something years. And Terminator is going to be the most terrifying I've done because I've never done a print run that big. Oh, wow. That's going all over the world as much. I mean, we, we usually print 1,000, 3,000, up to 5,000 books, but Terminator's going to be, well, significantly more over a longer period of time because it's such a big, famous, well-known, desirable license. We were shocked that nobody ever done a role-playing game of it before, so we went, we'll have it. The, my listeners are going to be bored about me uh, telling about my own game, but I, I recently self-published my own game. Yeah. But now I... I empathize so much with the publishers because when Indie Press Revolution tell me we would like 80 copies of yours and because it's a stock yep. it, they don't pay up front, which is normal. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm sweating like, uh, I don't have the money. If I send the copies, will they be lost? Uh, will right. they be sold? So I can imagine having all those copies and being like, that's great. But at the same time, it's ooh, very scary. For this. <laughs> yeah, and it's sending thousands of copies over directly from the printer all the way to America without seeing them first. Oh, wow. So, we oh. Get, so they go to America, to our distributor over there, and also to our UK warehouse. Uh -huh. So we get to see all the UK ones, but we don't know how many or what condition. They, they just arrive in America, and we just have to say, well, that's a lot of money we've thrown over there. There's a little running joke on the internet also that the best way to find typos in your book... Is to publish it. To publish it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We are well known for having discovered typos in our games afterwards. Um, <laughs> Slay Industries has been going since the 90s. We, our first games convention we went to in 1993 was European Gen Con or UK Gen Con. And that very day, our first day at the convention, we were bought by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, wow. We became their UK office okay. straight after that convention. So we were brand new. Look at our game. Can we buy you? Who are you? We're some small American company <laughs> okay. with Magic the Gathering. We'd never heard of them. And we, they flew us over to Seattle and... Back then, Wizards of the Coast was based in Peter Atkinson's basement. Uh -huh. There was about a dozen people in a basement, and that was the company. But they knew they were getting big because of magic, so they bought us so that they'd have a European place to pay the printers, because the printers are in Belgium. Oh. So then suddenly we were Wizards of the Coast UK, so it was, a, it was a big change. But you're, you're not an appendix anymore no, of we, Asbro and Chiswick Park. No. When Wizards of the Coast bought Dungeons & Dragons, they had closed all their other role-playing lines, so uh -huh. they gave us back our company. They said, do you, just, do you just want to do it? We don't need it. Okay. Yeah, that's very nice. And they shipped all of our stock to our warehouse and that everything. That sounds like a very tight way to manage. <laughs> very, very tidy, yeah. So and, just tell me, uh, SLA Industries, because when Gary introduced me to the game, which I haven't played yet, he told to me like it was the biggest thing ever, and I'm sure it is, but actually in the French-speaking world outside right, of the yeah. UK, I don't know if it's that popular. Personally, I never was yeah. introduced to it. So what is it about? Well, there are bootleg copies in French. There's a French <laughs> group that actually translated it. But under well, the we trench We didn't code. stop them. Okay. You know, because everyone had to buy it for the art and all the other stuff. But they translated all the texts. Our first edition, it was bootlegs on early internet mailing lists. So we knew it was out there in France. But essentially, Slay Industries is a game set in an 80s future where one company runs everything and they taken control of the known universe. And they, they the main game... It's nice because we don't live in that world anymore at the moment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 and we also had reality TV before it became a thing as well. We had cameras following everybody everywhere. And now that's come true as well. Yeah. So, and it was essentially... Reminds me I should be recording more TikToks today. <laughs> 
Yeah, you should. It's great. I'm too old to understand them. But I love TikTok. It's great for tabletop role-playing. Uh, yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah, we've got people who do it, who will, will be doing it for us because we're not, we're too old for that. We're, who can, wants to see us old men? Impressions of Terminator. Yeah. Come up with a dance for the promotion. Oh, I like that one. But anyway, yes, it's uh, based around a city on a planet that's surrounded by, as you can see, the other book there is called Cannibal Sector. It's uh, a city surrounded by a wasteland that it's walled itself off for, from. And the player characters are operatives in a squad. They work for the company, and their job is to do whatever the company tells them to, which is usually missions like go clean up the sewers, there's a carnivorous pig that's running rampant down there, go deal with this cult that's starting to cause issues in downtown, that's summoning magical creatures from other worlds that are devouring people. It's very sci-fi horror in that respect. And all throughout this boring mundane trying to make your rent doing gig economy, another thing we did before gig economy was a thing, all of this is happening. While this is happening, the reality is crumbling at the edges and the world is no longer as stable as it ever was. And it put, oh, you mean the, the very the fabric? fabric of reality is crumbling a little bit. And there's a, a, lots of stuff in there. It's far too detailed to explain in a simple podcast. We've always had a trouble selling it in, a, in the elevator pitch 30-second job. But it is a very deep and rich law that obviously we've been working on for over 30 years. And it's been distilled into that 224-page book. We've got this source book called Shakhtar Rathen, which I'm pointing at a poster for all of those uh, listening at home. That's our first source book about two of the species. It's mostly humans in the game, but there are also two alien races, well, three alien races now, a couple of biogenetic characters, and some Ebons, which are essentially our psychic or magic user class, our elves, space elves, whatever you want to call them. Their deep law of um, how to manipulate the reality shifts that are happening to basically do healing and all the offensive actions and teleporting and long distance. Space travel is based on their ability to fold reality. Okay. Um, but after that, we've got another source book called Collateral, which is nearly finished. That one's at proofing and will be printed next week or the week after. But Collateral is the one we're doing after that, which should be another seven weeks from now, maybe. Mm -hmm. We're aiming at the end of August to take it up to Tabletop Scotland. Okay. Also, Tabletop Scotland, we'll have Terminator, we'll have that one. It's going to be, that's when we'll have, should have been here, but yeah, printers. Well, coming back to, to Terminator. Terminator, yes. Yeah, what's the, the system like? Because, well, I believe the universe, most people are, are familiar with, although you could always wonder, are you playing in the world of Skynet Dominated ah. or in the 80s? The, or the Terminator role-playing game, the license we have for that game is the first movie and all the Dark Horse comics. Okay, so not the not second. Terminator 2. And no. not all the great ones. <laughs> Three, four, and five, yeah. Well, here's the thing. We can now announce that we just got the license for Terminator 2. Oh, That's wow. our next book. You're one of the first people to... Well, the first journalists to hear this. So we will be doing Terminator 2 next, but that will allow us to do the things we couldn't do in this one, which is playable Terminators and the T-1000. Interesting. And, yeah. that, that's quite peculiar, the, that's the, the copyright yeah, structured. The, yeah. Yeah, that's the way the license works. Yeah, it's like James but, Bond. You can do James Bond, but not Spectre. Exactly, and so yes. On. We could not use Arnie's image in the Terminator movie. Everyone else we could use, but not Arnie. Will you be able with number two or still not? No, no. Now, he's a different property. He costs too much. <laughs> But in this one, it's set in the 80s, but you can also play it in the future war. And once you've got that, you can play it in any time period you want because you have time travel. Essentially, the concept boils down to time-traveling robots. The world's your oyster. Yeah. You can have... We're dealing mostly with the images and scenes and places that people recognize from the movie because that's the way to make it. But once you've got the game and you're playing it, you can do anything. You, the world is open to you any time period and just have your 80s characters jumping up to the future, going into the back. Yeah, it's very good fun. And the system we're using is the system we developed for Slay Industries. Uh -huh. We modified it heavily for Terminator because we don't have uh, robot rules in Slay Industries, but we need them for Terminator, for instance. Mm -hmm. But the one thing we do have from Slay Industries is the horror aspect of Slay. We've got a good fear system which amazingly transfers very well to the Terminator because, let's face it, they are scary. We're used to seeing them wandering around and, a, and a, an eight-foot-tall robot 
is not really that scary to us. I mean, it is, but if you were a character in the 80s and this thing suddenly appeared, you really would get scared. Yeah, people so, tend to forget that the first movie is pretty much like a Friday the 13th or Halloween. It, it's uh, a slasher movie. It's a John Carpenter slasher movie converted into robots, time-traveling robots. Everyone also forgets that at the beginning you don't know who the baddie is. Kyle Reese is a baddie. Yeah. And, and then he isn't. And then everyone knows the movie. There's no point in describing what's in the movie and what's in the game because everybody's seen it. And that was... That made it easy, but also very hard to deal with. But our writer is Andrew E.C. Gasker, uh -huh. who also wrote the Aliens game for Free League. Oh, really good, um, which yeah, uh, very, critically were very, very good, well received. Yeah. Very, yeah, he's very, very good. And he's also currently writing Terminator 2 for us right now. Is there also a campaign in yes, the works? Yes, we available? have a 128-page campaign book written by... I think about a dozen different writers and we've tied all the scenarios that they wrote together into one long campaign. I wrote one of them. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I write in Slay Industries but I don't really write in Terminator much. But I did get to write my scenario and that was really useful. Well, Great can we know the premise in. without spoiling anything? Uh... Time-travelling robots. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all about um, working through several adventures that are based on the Dark Horse comics. Uh -huh. I mean, your, your adventure. Well, my, my, your my, my particular one is based on the comic Dark Valley, written by Alan Grant. Okay. Uh, which is great for me, because I'm an old British guy who read 2000 AD as a kid, and Alan Grant, who wrote that comic, was one of the guys who was a 2000 AD regular. So I opened the comic, and I was. it felt so familiar in its style of writing. It was very easy to transfer into a short... And my, My scenario is one of the shorter ones because it's a very linear, simple adventure that we then beefed up to make it more a scenario rather than a story called Death Valley and it's great fun and yeah, it's got Just, biker gangs in it. You, you mentioned that the, the rise come from a Dark Horse comics, so it's a, it's a comics and a movie technically yes. which are turned into a role-playing game and I find it interesting I interviews the folks at Aconite Books. Yep. And uh, yeah, not role-playing games are becoming novels, comics, Marvel yeah. comics are becoming novels. Is this something you'd consider doing with Slay Industries, having a series of novels for people to Possibly. read? Possibly. We spent two weeks in Hollywood a few years ago where people flew us over to try to make the movie for Slay oh, Industries. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Netflix um, shows. If we'd have waited five years, we probably would have got a Netflix or Amazon show. But this is before the explosion of quality TV. They wanted to make a movie the usual $150 million sci-fi movie type thing. And we just couldn't come to an agreement that we would be happy with that didn't change too much. Um. As soon as somebody turns up saying, well, I'm bringing the $150 million, why can't we have that guy wear a dirt bike armor instead of this fancy designs you got in the book? No, no. No, because Do, you, you're killing the, the yeah, USB. Exactly, you're you're exactly. killing what you're buying, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want us to design this wonderful world with all these details, and they're saying, yeah, but we don't like that detail, so why are you hiring us then? Yeah, Go just, do your own thing. Just doing Jana Jones like exactly. Steven Spielberg did when he could not have Tintin, for instance. Exactly. So, yeah, we, we would consider a comic or a book, but we're no longer thinking of movies because we've seen what would happen to it, and it's, it's too precious to us. Yeah, They wanted to change one of the fundamental looks of the Ebons. They wear this armor called death suits, and they said, can't we just make them wear normal armor? Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> there was a nice two weeks in Hollywood, though. It really was. We had great fun and saw lots of scenery, lots of the sights, and went to studios, watched TV shows being made. It was wonderful fun, but no. Well, uh, genre uh, live action is uh, in uh, another place, and uh, Absolutely. They, they tend to be most of the cases more understanding of the USP. So maybe it will come back. Absolutely, it's entirely possible that we could. The way that entertainment is produced is no longer you've got to make a big movie. You can now do million, two million dollar episode, uh, budget episode, ten episode series on Netflix, and it's much more true to the original concepts that you're seeing. It's great. We're in a golden age of television right now, and that's where I'd much rather be than the movies. Yeah, and uh, you know, looking at the, the art, I'm also thinking that now it started much earlier in Belgium and France, the wave of Japan animation. Absolutely, uh, yeah. We didn't even call that, and now we're at a stage when Western creatives 
have their own adult animation and in a, an animated feature yeah. or show that I think that would work that might be that, even work even better that would also yeah anyone that would not water down our concepts we'd be well interested in that but we don't we're not actively seeking to um, yeah to yeah, make it happen exactly. because you, I mean, it will happen if it happens Dave Allsop who's just standing next to us talking he created the original concept of Slay and is our art director he painted the covers there oh wow And he's been working for Wizards of the Coast, Blizzard, TSR before they were... No, not... Yeah, he's been doing Magic the Gathering, D&D, Paizo, World of Warcraft cards, uh, Hearthstone. So he's got a lot of experience working in the industry and is well known now. And now he, he's come back with us 30 years better than he was when we first started working together. We're all much better at this. So we have a very, very strong art direction look and feel. We learned from that first convention working with the Wizards of the Coast that quality of product is paramount. If you do a good quality product, it is so much more important than just phoning it in. And all of our books have very high production values, excellent, recognizable art direction, wonderful fiction stuff in it, nice little quotes that paint a big picture of the world. It's a very tidily put together product. And we realize that if, while we can do that, I mean, that's how we got the Terminator license because they saw that we're not going to phone it in. Yeah. Plus five figures. It costs a lot of money to get the license. But they knew then that we were going to do it properly. Just like you going in the opposite direction. Exactly. Yeah. They knew, oh yeah, we can trust these guys. When They're not going to change anything or ruin it. You didn't or... suggest to change the look of the template. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? Why not Harry? <laughs> yeah, why don't we have it Harry? Harry Terminator. And longer arms as well. Why not make it, I don't know, a 30 foot tall chimp? Yeah, King, mon we could call him King Cominator. Yeah. Nice, nice. nice. Okay. Yeah. One final word about the uh, yes. expo this year? Um, And where can people find you also? Where can people find us? Our website is nightfall.games. Dead easy to find. And Expo, we're at 1232. But yeah, with the, this year... Unless they can themselves... If they are Terminators they can and come can back travel two times, yeah. they can find you. But this, this Expo has been good for us. We've done loads of sales. Um, we haven't brought anything new this year. But everything's here last year. We were expecting not to sell much. We just wanted to talk to people, help support the Expo, help support the hobby. And instead, we've sold lots of books. And yeah, it's been very good for us. It's... We were expecting it to be a bit... Uh, last year was terrible because uh, it was half the size due to the pandemic. Yeah. We were here last year anyway because you got to support this thing. That's nice. Yeah, but this year it's busy. It does not seem like there's an economic downturn happening. It does not seem like people are scared to come out of their homes. It, it's I think that there's even a, a, a significant eagerness exactly. to be here. Exactly. Everybody wants everything to go back to normal. I mean, I'm, I'm all one for caution, but it's nice to see... It's nice to see gaming back. The pandemic was very good for gaming insofar as... I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to look for a silver lining to a terrible tragedy that killed five million people. Yeah, but, but there were some, especially in the tabletop role-playing community. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a terrible set yeah. of events, but, uh, but it, we, it did bring us together and a lot of yep. people found each other and new games. There are, there are two things that happened during the pandemic that strengthened hobby gaming. One was, as you're saying, everyone suddenly discovered new ways of gaming without leaving their house, which suddenly opens up you never, it's going to be much harder to struggle to find a games group. You just go online, you find, go on a Discord, and you'll find other people who are wanting to play it at that time. But the other thing it did is it showed people that they can work from home. There are companies who were dead against home workers who are now thinking, do you know what? Offices, are, we're paying less for a smaller office. Half our staff work from home, and that, that means that people have more time for their hobbies, but it also means that those people who wanted to do their own games can now publish and use the online tools and collaborative tools that have been honed over the last two years to create books. You can write in Google Docs, you can share, share your discussions over Discord, Slack, Zoom, Skype, whatever, Microsoft Teams if you have to, and all these collaborative tools that the IT industry has been using for about a decade Suddenly, but, but also perfected over the last two years. I've seen exactly, a lot. I even yes. seen people who were like, 
are we using, I don't know, Zoom or Skype for a role-playing yeah. game? And some of them were like, we're using a different software at my job. And they brought the software or yeah. changed it for role-playing well, games? Well, I, I suddenly started thinking, well, I've got a corporate Zoom account now. I no longer have 40-minute meetings. I'll just... Three hours, <laughs> there you go. And it's been really good for that. But it also has helped us with collaborative tools being more tightly tuned. It's easier to make games with your friends, to yes. actually produce games. I'm not recommending everybody goes out and buys Adobe InDesign and starts producing... Uh, learning the high learning curve of that, but the smaller publishing packages. Although there are tutorials which are quite man-made and, 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 and free. Some for, yeah, I've, I've created some templates for people who wanted to make games. Yeah. They're up, I've put them up free on, on Facebook and places. Oh, I'll include um, links in the description. Um, not here to plug my own ego stuff. Actually, yeah, I am. No, no, but yeah. I mean, um, that's something people listening to that might right. feel like they I'll, want to. I'll so. put them up on the Nightfall Games downloads page. Okay. But I've created templates that allow you to basically download the template, put your text in, hit a few buttons for the headers and stuff, and you've got your basic, basic book design. And from that, you can then learn how to do the rest. Because the hard bit about publishing books is the initial step, how do I start? I'm looking at this software, I do not understand it. And then suddenly you go, oh, the first months of learning how to use it have already been done, I'll just use that template. It helps a lot. And yeah. people are, have taken it and used it to just basic, make basic games and drop art in. And it's the barest of minimums you need to do, but that is very, very hard for people who don't know how to do it. So well, but, I've done a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, but, but people definitely should do it. I, including myself, who published my first game during Good. COVID. And I need to run now to run a demonstration of that Good. game. So it oh, was a pleasure. I'm sorry to keep this on. Oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, <laughs> the old pleasure is mine. That's why I keep looking at, at my phone. But uh, thank you so much and uh, all the best uh, with the, the shipping yep. of Terminator. I um, haven't even mentioned our new games that we've got coming out after that. Oh, we've got, well, I'll give you two seconds. Two we've seconds. got Stokerverse, which is based on the worlds of Bram Stoker. Ah, yeah, I heard um, of that, yeah. And that's been... With the great-grand-nephew of Bram Stoker himself, Dacre Stoker, is... Allegedly. Because it might be Bram Stoker, who's actually a vampire. It could be. <laughs> it could be. We, we're not going to speculate either way on that one. And <laughs> um, we've also got um, Demon Dog, which is a Merkborg book that we're doing for fun. Oh, okay. Just a three-week Kickstarter that we wrote in a weekend as a ode yes. and a love letter to Merkborg and punk. They do black metal, we do punk, because it's our history. We're all old British punks as us. <laughs> and then we've also got with Johnny Hodgson at Handiwork Games, we're collaborating on a fifth ed D&D setting called Harrowvale, which is essentially like, you know when you're playing video games in the early bits, where it's really hard to get all your resources together? Uh -huh, yeah. But that's the most fun bit of the game. That's what our setting is. It's like D&D on hard mode. Okay. And so that's also coming out after that. So that's our big plans for the future. We mentioned COVID and I'm thinking Terminator would be fitting for a lot of people discovered solo or two players games. Are there modes for that yep. for Terminator? There isn't yet, but we are definitely... Ah. Yes. I worked with Andrew Gasker on another project called Carbon Grey. I was a freelancer doing the book production, which is my thing. So in that, he had solo adventures and we thought, That's a really good idea. Yeah. Teach people the system. <laughs> so you can expect something in the future for that. Brilliant, yes. brilliant. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, it's good yeah. to meet you. Cheers. And I'll see you on Twitter. Yes. La grande ville américaine est plongée dans la nuit et un grand robot méchant me poursuit. Pourquoi on veut-il à ma peau Il a les yeux pleins de haine, même si je peux pas les voir. Elles sont derrière des lunettes, des lunettes noires. Qu'est-ce que je veux faire à son Il est très grand et très musclé. Personne ne peut lui échapper. Il marche d'une cadence sexy. Viens vous chercher jusque dans votre lit. Il marche tranquillement, mais parfois fait des bons. Il a un fusil. Voyez-vous déjà de qui il s'agit Les punks les plus méchants sont glacés d'effroi Quand on dit son nom, attention le voilà Les punks s'enfuient Est-ce qu'il m'a vu Est-ce qu'il m'a vu Est-ce qu'il m'a vu, Est -ce qu
je me suis caché dans une impasse et il est là, il tourne, il me regarde, il actionne son regard infrarouge. Oui c'est bien lui, qui me poursuit, le roi des robots. Are the door closed now? What time is it? It's it's five minutes to the closure of the door for UK Games Expo, and I'm with one of the the people backstage. Uh, who are you? I'm David. I've been volunteering for just this year and the year before, so quite new. I really like board games, so it's it's, it's not I'm not new to that. So not role playing games, strictly board games. A bit of role playing games, and mostly yeah. I'm happy to mix and match, you know. Nice, and, uh, nice. They're mostly board games, I would say. So, what did you think of uh, this year's edition? Oh, much, much bigger. I think that it needs to be prepared for bigger events. I, th I think it could have done with a bit more. Even more than to yes, this year. Yes, yes. It was, it was unexpected, you know. So Is there room left? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we need, we need an extra NEC. No, but I think people really were eager to bring the games, to play the games, you know. So it's like many 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 new designers coming in as well so you can say that the pandemic has, has, hasn't been as bad as people were expecting on board yeah, I think you're right you, you could feel the eagerness from people to be they, they really really wanted to be here they were really extra happy to be here with us and to often meet each other again uh, often people you haven't seen yes, for a long time yes exactly yeah yeah online doesn't quite cut it isn't it the people have been playing on tabletop simulator and things like that, but it's, it's not the same as interacting with people in real. Well, I hope the silver li we, we, we talking a lot about silver lining of COVID uh, mm -hmm. in different interviews, but uh, hopefully online will remain and the, the two can work together, I think. Yeah, but for me, the thing that I love the most about board games is the interaction with people. They're putting your phone down, you know, they're having a banter, that, that kind of the energy in the table. I, that's what I like about board games. So did you have a moment to try something this year or uh, I, tried, a I tried a few things there, but not as much as I would like to. I tried Sniper Elite, I will drag into that. I tried um, Long Shot. A lot of things with guns then. Uh. Oh, Long Shot is just like a racing game, kind of ah, uh, okay. camel up sort of betting game. Ah, I see. Yeah, a few things, but uh, nothing that really, really caught me. Oh know, yeah, so. because I was wondering about Sniper Elite, I've seen the big boxes lying around and I, I was curious a yeah. lot of lofters uh, around <laughs> us <laughs> after two years would you have any advice to people considering volunteering for Expo well looking at the graph and how it's growing uh, just just bring comfy shoes because <laughs> it's, it's it's really rewarding you meet lots of people but also it's 
it's taxing if you don't not careful with it, you know. So yeah, you have to come with the mentality, you know, and yeah. just really enjoy the ride. But well, I must say, uh, the the organization is quite accommodating for people with different yes. abilities and yes, needs. So people yeah. should not be yes. feel afraid Indeed, to, yeah, to yeah, join yeah, yeah, yeah. because of that. Oh no, not at all. No, in fact, it's it's like a like a big family. You know, it feels yeah, we feel very included. You know, um, and we have rules where you are seated, rules uh, which are somewhat in quite an yes, environment. Yes, and there's a flexibility as well. You know, it's not like a tick tock machine where you just clock in and clock out. You know, so yeah, if it's quite comfortable and also quite taken care of, so you know, the our views are, are heard, and you know, so it's not just a minion doing their job. You know, yellow minion doing their job. It's actually a person there. A yellow people, maybe. Yes. <laughs> the it's funny as not in a negative way, but as a yellow volunteer. We are kind of a resource, and yes. every turn yes. we are located to a different mm -hmm. area, which is a, a nice experience. But there's no, as you said, there's no schedule, at least for in my experience. It's flexible. It's yeah, flexible. It's, it's a flexibility there, so it's no so so adjust to your needs and how tired you are. You know, it's, it's people that do extra hours some days, and then you know, if you're absolutely shattered, you know, it's. it's, it's Yeah, it's, it feels really yeah like a family. Yeah, I, really I must say it was a fantastic experience. My first time this year, and uh, I look forward to doing it again uh, uh, all the years. Any final word to close uh, the series about Games Expo 2022? No, I'm just hoping that the Games Expo grows at a steady pace, and and yeah, as is all the voices to be heard. You know, that's how you feel like you can obsessed for that. There's so many things to see, you know, it should be every year a bit bigger in a sense. You know, not too, I think too big would be bad. It's, yeah, yeah, there's always this moment when you're like, oh, is it becoming too big for, yes. for not necessarily a good or bad experience, but a specific experience, which is... Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's it. I hope it goes really well for the next years. Well, thank you, David, and uh, hopefully see you next year. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, listeners. We will listen to all, all the way through this series dedicated to UK Games Expo 2022. I do not know what the next episode will be about, but uh, yeah, I hope you will be back, that you enjoyed this one and you will be back. And in the meantime, have a good game. This episode included Shop Till You Drop by Marwood Williams She Wants to Play with Fire by Nightclub Your New Heroes by Orange Peels Terminator by Manuel J. Grotesque and of course Solta o Frango or theme song by Bandedo Roll You can find all those songs and many more and download them for free on the freemusicarchive.org The logo of the release is designed by Rollin Kunz and you can find it alongside more artworks by Rollin Kunz on face masks, t-shirts, apparel and notebooks and a bunch of other things. And uh, since The Last Dragon Meet, more about that in a second. It should be available soon on stickers. I need to, I don't know, open an Etsy shop or something. I, I need to work out how things work nowadays with shipping and taxation across Brexit land and the world, or more specifically Europe, because uh, with the world it's been sorted for a while. Anyway, uh, so I cannot stress enough how much of a good time I had as a volunteer at UK Games Expo. It's definitely work, but I highly recommend it. And it's a good deal if you, if you're, you are so inclined to be a volunteer. You're not paid, but you're at the hotel right in the middle Accommodation is paid for. You got a few vouchers for food. And uh, yeah, you have an opportunity to engage with the very enthusiastic visitors and traders of uh, UK Games Expo. So I highly, highly recommend you to consider volunteering for UK Games Expo. And I, from the bottom of my heart, thank all the volunteers. It was the first year, or oh, who's been there for many years now, because everybody was so welcoming and make me enjoy this so much. I mentioned Dragon Meat because, with, uh, sorry for much time it takes me to release episode, I did them. So I'm just back from Dragon Meat. I was there uh, last week. It, it feels like a month ago already. Uh, I had a lovely time there with the UK Indie League. 
And although I was very busy between selling the game and um, running demonstrations of it, I managed to record a few things there. So enough for a single episode. And I decided to release it right after this one. So it should be there maybe by the end of December. More likely it will be the beginning of January. Which moving forward, I should be still employed, but much less employed in January and February. So if you have project manager jobs in your publishing company, uh, I doubt you have urban designer jobs in your publishing company, feel free to let me know about them. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to discover the joys of zero hours contract here in the UK. But the silver lining is that I will have more time for editing the podcast and working on my game publishing projects. So Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventoring, which I encourage you to purchase. And nowadays, you can purchase it not only via Ratty and Kentity, yeah, but you can also, starting this week, just a couple days ago, you can now purchase Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventoring via Indie Press Revolution. So uh, it saves you a lot of the troubles of which shipping and taxations uh, on both yours and my site. So I highly recommend if you are in North America or I guess Latin America as well, that would work with Indie Press Revolution. Uh, worldwide, I think, you can purchase Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventoring there. So, but my publisher ambitions don't stop no, because now I've got another game in development, Rosewood Abbey, which is a game carved in Brindlewood, meaning it's based on the Boiled by the Apocalypse system of Brindlewood Bay. It was inspired by your episode about the name of the rose, so it takes the system of Brindlewood Bay and uh, adapts it significantly to move it to a setting which is 13th century monastic mysteries a la the name of the rose or Cat Fell, which was raised to me. And I watched the first episode of the TV show. I need to seek out the books. Maybe uh, that's why I ordered to Santa Claus this year. Uh, I run two playtests and uh, they were very informative and inspiring. So beginning of next year, as I have more time, I will try to work on polishing the rules, uh, bringing them to a point when I feel comfortable maybe making a zine version of it, of them, so I can sell them at Expo. So that's Rosewood Abbey. The playtest rules are already available on the Chio page of the released. So you can get the current versions there. There should be an update quite soon following those two first playtests. Yeah, you can have, have access to the rules and see how they evolve over time as I'm improving things. And uh, if you run them and you have feedback, I would be very interested in reading it. You can contribute and witness to the development of this game, which is quite exciting. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how since I recorded those three episodes at Expo and now been involved more with Paris Gondo and attended a second Drag Me U with UK Indie League, it's, it's interesting how my mindset went from working on Paris Gondo and being very enthusiastic to publish this quirky game, but which works very well to know, thinking things like, oh, yeah, Dragon Meat next year. What am I going to sell there? Because I might not have more prints of Paris Gondo or I need something new and fresh. It's very exciting. And I will tell more a bit about that in the next episode dedicated to Dragon Meat. But yeah, so so yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next expo. And uh, for things which I need to announce later next year, I might not go there as a volunteer, although I absolutely love the experience. Uh, because yeah, I might be there. Uh, yeah, a bit of a scoop. It's not, it's not confirmed yet, but uh, I'm very, very tempted to go there as a trader. So we'll see how things go in the new year and so on. At least that's something to look forward in 2023. Because right now, I'm mostly looking forward to ending. 2022. I mean, it's nice to have the show and this recording of Expo to remind me what I enjoyed this year because I don't know about you, but for me and a lot of people this year, 2022 has been quite crap, especially the end. I mean, we've been through a couple of years which were exceptionally crap, but uh, yeah, we're we're still dealing with um, the fallout of the previous years and uh, and new stuff. 
happening or taking different shapes. Just in case I don't release the Dragon Meat one before the end of December, I wish you all a happy new year, a merry Christmas, a merry Hanukkah, a merry celebration of your choice. Again, after I think seven or eight years doing this show, I'm more than ever extremely thankful to everyone who listened to the show. And uh, yeah, so that's that's it. See you in a bit with Dragon Meat this year, or maybe in the next. And in the meantime, have good games. Holé, 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 solta o frango e vem com a gente. Holé, 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 solta o frango e vem com a gente. Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama, ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama. A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo na hora do piriri. What's the dog's name? Max. Hey, Janelle. What's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking. Is he okay? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. What are you? Your foster parents are dead. <laughs>